Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm Fernando Shimudi, that's your lead in the charge. And today, I have the pleasure of having uh, Adam from Culver One here. Adam, thank you so much for taking your time to join us today and talk some Bills. Welcome, brother. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, always awesome to bring some uh, you guys from Culver One on board. As a former Culver One member, I, I'm always excited to have you around and have you on the show talking some bills, and I'm sure we'll have a great time talking the new additions, the state of the bills um, season so far, and what we can expect going forward, and and also a little bit of bills in Bengals next Sunday, obviously big-time matchup, um, a very important one that uh, is going to happen next Sunday. So, Bills Mafia, please hit that like button, subscribe to the Buffalo Rumbling channel, subscribe to my own Fernando Shimuji channel. The Lady the Chart is also available via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But without further ado, let's dive into the, the Bills season so far, Adam. And the Bills uh, and Brandon Bean obviously made some moves in this trade deadline week. And actually just one trade, but some, some savvy signings um, in the free agency with good veterans is still available there. And... I want to dive into those signings and, and analyze them with you because I was a little bit worried after all the injuries to the defense. And, and you know, Adam, I don't know how do you feel about this defense, but I, I can't help myself, man. Since that, those 13 seconds, I couldn't trust this defense anymore to lead the team, you know. I, I always thought no matter how good they could be, with their season rankings and their performances during regular season, I've always felt like, okay, the, this Bills can win it all, but the way to win it all is with Josh Allen leading the way, the offense leading the way, and the defense being a complementary piece of this team, you know. And I felt pretty good about this defense uh, doing this kind of role for the team when the season started, but the injuries decimated this defense and... And we saw how difficult it was for the team to move on after those important injuries, right? Matt Milano, probably the best player in this defense. And Daquan Jones, so underrated, right? And Fredavis White obviously came in back to his his former self and being an important yeah. piece in the secondary. So how do you feel about this defense? How do you feel about the moves Brandon being made to kind of uh bring reposition pieces for those guys that we missed with those important injuries yeah well i i'm i, I really like all the moves that being made i mean it was very obvious that they needed to refortify the defense in the wake of all the injuries that they've had um you know looking at just some of the efficiency metrics not only epa per play but even things like success rate and uh dvoa of course aaron shots is dvoa um 
you know, in the wake of losing Milano, Trey, and uh, and Daquan Jones, understandably the defense really tanked, um, and that was for me the the largest area of concern. You know, over the last four or five weeks, um, not so much the offense. I know that there was a lot of discussion about what's wrong with the offense because they weren't scoring points, particularly in the first half. Um, but everything that I saw on the underlying metrics about the offense still looked pretty good. Um, and I've always sort of been of the opinion that the offense is going to figure it out. You know, they, when the metrics look good, but points aren't being put on the board, a lot of that, not a lot of it, I'll say some of it is just erroneous results, right? If you roll, you know, um, or let's say you flip a quarter, you know, uh, 20 times, it's not always going to be 50, 50. You're not going to get 10 heads, 10, 10 tails. There's going to be outlier results. Right. And even with an excellent offense, sometimes you're going to end up with one, maybe even two games in a row rare, but possibly three Mm -hmm. where things just don't work out the way that you'd like them to. And I'm not the type of person that's going to raise the red flag and say, Hey, something is not right here. You know, unless I'm seeing the underlying data on the offense start to look bad and, not only has it looked good, but it's looked outstanding, you know? So that was never an area of focus or concern for me. Um, Cause I always felt like the points are going to come. They're still trying to figure out their roles and, and, you know, their identity, right. You know, how yeah. they're, how they're going to play uh, and it'll come together. Now um, in those weeks following, of course, with the, with the um, players going down to injury on the defensive side of the ball, it was very, very rough sledding on those uh, on those metrics. Uh, we're talking Bills bottom five in the league in defense uh, in pretty much most of the major statistical categories that I like to look at. Um, and so this was a major, major area of concern. Now, even if Brandon Bean hadn't made any moves, I felt like there's still enough talent on the roster that McDermott should be able to figure out a mixture um, or a formula for them to at least get to mid-tier or just below mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the defense was going to sit bottom five the rest of the year without them doing anything. Um, but, you know, mid-tier is okay. Where we want to be is as close to where we were before those injuries, which was, you know, top three, top two defense in the league. Can they get back there with these additions? No, but they can get much closer to that. I really think that um, – by the end of the season, I think we're going to see this defense end up shaking out to be probably somewhere between number five and number 10, uh, which with this offense should be plenty good enough uh, to be a contender for the Super Bowl uh, and, you know, give them a really good shot at uh, getting there. Um, the player that I'm most excited about, I have to say, is Russell Douglas. Um, when you look at some of um, the player tracking data, uh, like separation prevented, for example, um, he is actually right in the same exact spot that Tredavious White was in before he went down for injury. Um, yeah. Not only that, but target percentage as well, right? So it's almost like statistically they're getting the same exact player that Trey was back in that spot. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's huge because I, you know, I like Dane Jackson. He's a hell of a good player. He comes downhill hard in the run game. Um, but he leaves a little bit to be desired in, in coverage. And, uh, you know, I think the Bills were really hurting there, especially without Daquan Jones in there providing some pressure up the middle of the quarterback. There's just way too much time for them to execute and make throws. Um, so, you know, that's that's the acquisition that I'm most excited about. Um, 
Linville, jo uh, Linville Joseph, you know, this one is interesting. Um, you retweeted today, and I saw this. I remember back in yeah. 2019, Harrison Phillips, right? He um, mm -hmm. really got off to a great start that season in 2019. Um, you know, very, very important, played super solid next to Ed Oliver. He started to eat up some uh, double teams and get some additional push. Uh, and the Bills' defense in EPA per play was, uh, you know, uh, I think it was top five. It was top five or top six uh, for those first three games. And then Harrison Phillips tears his ACL. Mm -hmm. And the next, you know, I think it was, let's see, week three through, when did they sign him? Week eight, between week eight and nine, I think it was. So weeks four to eight or weeks four to nine, they were really, they were reeling. Uh, yeah. in, in EPA per attempt, the defense tanked down to, you know, bottom half of the league. Um, and, uh, and then all of a sudden in comes Corey legit. Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember when they signed him, um, Eric Turner over here at cover one, put some mm -hmm. video together on this guy and, you know, he's not going to be the pass rushing defensive tackle, right. That, you know, everyone wanted at the time, but his ability to eat up double teams and really anchor, um, and reach and grab disrupted enough in the run game that he was a very nice complimentary piece to that defense and from the point that he was signed to the rest of the season uh they were top five in in defense so you know guys like that sometimes it's just one player along the defensive line uh that can make all the difference in the world as long as he has the right attributes that complement the rest of the guys in there and i think that's what brandon bean is hoping for with limbell joseph who by all accounts is a very similar player i think to um who Corey Legit was, maybe with a little bit better even athleticism uh, and and uh, and the ability to get after the passer a little bit. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, those two, you know, those two acquisitions, I'm very excited for. I think the defense really needed it because now I think McDermott needs to figure out less how to utilize the players and sort of change his strategy, his defensive strategy. And he can kind of go back to more of what they were doing before and and still be successful. Absolutely. I mean, I even have some the, the data about um, what what you just said about Rasul Douglas and, and the upgrade, right, uh, of Rasul Douglas over Dane Jackson in the target percentage and, and separation yards. And, and Rasul is up there with... Uh, really close to Tyrone Johnson and, and, and Christian Benford's level. Christian Benford, who's, who's been a, a great revelation, a guy who, uh, or a guy here uh, in, uh, at Buffalo Lumblings, um always say about how, how um, I forgot his name now, uh, Joe McCardle, how Joe McCardle and Kyle Williams pan out how Kyle Williams pan out in John McCargo's draft and how uh Christian Bedford can be Kyle Williams in in, in Kyle Elon John McCargo's you know right and actually obviously we we would love to see Kyle Elon panning out and playing lights out and it, it still can happen now that he's moved to injured reserve he will be another opportunity he'll get another opportunity next year but having Christian Bedford playing at the level he's playing right now minimizes the impact or the lack of impact of Kyrie Elam's pick uh, or how important he would be right now for this team. 
And just like you said, maybe Tredavis White as a former now pro and with all the expectation that we put uh, on Tredavis White playing at his best, but looking just at the stats and looking even at the way Rasul, uh, Rasul Douglas can make some plays and get those important interceptions, I, I don't feel like it's a stretch to say that Rasul Douglas can even be a, a, an upgrade to Tredavis White at least at the point uh, of we're seeing Travis White playing right now, he wasn't totally 100% back to his former All Pro self, and and with the way Rasul Douglas can make some plays, those game-changing plays, I think it can be very very important for for this defense because just like I I told you before, I don't trust this defense to shut down the Kansas City Chiefs of the world or the Cincinnati Bengals of the world, but. If they can be this mid-tier group, just like you put up, we are actually in the same page about it. I don't expect this defense to be top-notch, a top-ranked unit and a, a total dominant group. But if they can make some important game-changing plays here and there against those tough opponents, our offense should be able to, to win the games for us, especially by playoff time. So... That's why I'm really excited to see Rasul Douglas on this defense. I think it's uh, absolutely the kind of move that I was expecting from Bean because despite wanting uh, maybe a splash play and and wanting... I, I, I always been in favor of DeAndre Hopkins on the offense. I think he would change the dynamic of yeah. his offense, for example. But looking at the way Bean works, a mid-tier, a, a mid-round pick for Rasul Douglas and signing some some interesting free agents it it goes right in line with he always preaches about staying competitive right now not mortgaging his future for for a win now mode right so i think he could make the defense really competitive again without messing up with the future of this team i think it it goes right in line with what he always preaches and i'm really happy with the way he could add a, a couple of important pieces for this defense the way he did yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. And I, I know that, you know, you look at the next two drafts and the, the Bills have actually done a really good job of accumulating and stockpiling draft picks for the next couple of uh, the next couple of drafts. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be that temptation, uh, you know, probably more so from the fan base than there really has ever been from Brandon Bean to go out and make a big, huge splash move and, you know, spend draft capital. But I really like the restraint that he's shown here because uh you know let's face it josh allen's probably getting a new deal next summer right and there there are contracts that are going to be coming due here that is going to you know make their cap situation even more precarious next season right so bringing in somebody that would be you know uh expensive next year and also cost a lot now really doesn't make a lot of sense um the bills are really almost in that same position that the Chiefs were last year um, in the fact that they, you know, they traded away Tyreek Hill, right? They, they didn't have the type of room to continue kicking the can down the road. And, and they did a mini rebuild, which is, you know, funny to say, considering that they went out and just won the Super Bowl last year, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah. um, you know, they did an excellent job and they did so with solid drafting. You know, McDuffie's been outstanding for them. Um, and uh, the Bills are going to need those draft picks to replace those areas of positions in need. Um, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs is, you know, 
still he's having a tremendous season, right? And I, I don't know how well his game is going to age, how well he's going to age, but he's now at that spot where, you know, the Bills need to be thinking about what a 1B, a true 1B receiver looks like. You know, somebody that can step in and play that Stephon Diggs role if he were to have to miss any time for injury or, you know, as his, uh, you know, game starts to head into decline as he ages, you know, whenever that happens. Um, and so those draft picks, they're all incredibly important. Uh, and if there's anything that Brandon Bean does well, contrary to what I've seen some people believe on Twitter, he drafts extremely well. Um, you know, Kyrie Elam obviously is, uh, you know, uh, an example that people point to, you know, I know that uh, people were unhappy with some of the stuff that he's done in the second round, but it, just generally speaking, if you look at the value chart and their hit rate on players, uh, they're one of the best in the league at it. Um, and even going back to the Kyrie Elam draft, every single player that the bills drafted after Kyrie Elam is in the NFL right now, except for Matt Ariza. you know, from, from round two all the way down. I mean, that's, that's incredible. You know, for them to have that many. Now, not all these guys are studs, right? Uh, you know, um, Luke Tanuka is out on uh, the Green Bay practice squad right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's not on he's not at home on the couch, you know, and everybody else is playing. So Even Alex um, Olsen just got signed by the Patriots now. And, and he's kind of going around all the league with Texan and now Patriots. But he's he's a late round pick and he's sticking around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, so the more opportunities they have to, to, you know, take quality players, the better in my opinion, you know, because the things are next year is when things really start to get a little bit more tricky on the salary cap. And, you know, they're going to need to, they're going to need to hit on some young players to, you know, keep kicking this thing, you know, down the road and, and being competitive year over year. So I, I was happy, very happy with the deadline, uh, you know, from, from that standpoint. No doubt, no doubt. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. About Linval Joseph, man, uh, the comparison to, to Corey Lugent is really great. And I still feel like Linval Joseph, is he's played this role for a longer time even than Corey Lugent. Because if we remember, yeah. Corey Lugent had his, his role as a 3-4 defensive end previously with the Chargers. And he was a kind of a dominant player playing this role as a, a more in the Ed Oliver's role than the, the Daquan Jones role. And then he trans transitioned to this. Uh, this double team eater and could play his late uh, his later years as this kind of presence in the middle of the defensive line. And Linval Joseph has been this kind of rock in the middle of the defensive line for a longer time now. So I'm really excited to see him eating those blocks, keeping my guy, Terrell Bernard, free because he's played great, man. I, even, me, even for me, I... I was a believer, but I couldn't expect him to do so well so quick. And he's really minimizing the way uh, we've, we are feeling the, the loss of Matt Milano because 
no doubt he's being missed but if bernard hasn't translated so well to this role especially communicated communication wise and and leadership wise in the middle of the defense it would have been even worse without milano there and i'm sure a lot of people are are a little bit worried about not adding a linebacker again because people wanted linebacker in the free agency yeah. and i was kind of okay no we have bernard we have dorian being developed we have some some options that can pan out there uh during the year right and again now people wanted the linebacker again and i was like man i feel like mcdermott has uh found something with jordan boyer even making yes. jordan boyer play at a great level again because yes. I, I was feeling like he wasn't playing at his best in the early part of the the season but with this new role for him as a dime linebacker he's started to make a lot of plays again and, and fly around and and the communication pops out the way he can be a playmaker in the middle of the defense pops out and Lival Joseph will be totally uh responsible for the Bills being able to translate to, to situations where they can go with this package because we won't see yes. this package in, in early down situations we won't see Poyer in third and two third and three or second and, and four you know we need the to we need those third and six third and seven or more so we can put this dime package on the field and be really dominant against the pass with package as a, uh, with Poyer as a dime linebacker how do you feel about uh the the ways mcdermott can reinvent this defense because we could see that it was obviously bernard and milano 100 of the time and being an interchangeable and it was looking awesome then we lose milano we don't add a linebacker how do you feel about this defense moving moving forward with poyer in this role and and having maybe Dodson being the, the Raymond Humber for Dorian Williams, Matt Milano's rookie year right now in the early downs. How do you feel about it? Yeah, well, I, I you know, I think you nailed it, right? Um, it's it's going to be sort of the, the jury sort of out still on this, right? But if Limbaugh Joseph can, can really clog that line and give them a little bit more strength up the middle, be that run stuffer, get them into those longer passing downs, then... I would agree. I, I think they made the right move not investing anymore in in a, in another linebacker. I think the combination of of Dorian Williams and uh, Terrell Dotson is going to get them where they need to be. I'm excited to see how much more Williams kind of progresses as the season's gone along. You know, the, the biggest complaint with him has not been his level of aggressiveness, right? Um, and that's a good thing. You know, sometimes he's just gone a little bit too far in and gotten himself caught um, and the ability to get these teams into these obvious passing downs that allows them to take one of those linebackers off the field um, makes you know the the need for investing in somebody else for that spot you know a little bit more minimized I can't tell you how much I love what Sean McDermott has done with Jordan Poyer in those dime sets you know the Bills really have for a long time, the last, you know, ever since he came in with Leslie Frazier, they've been a sort of a bend, but don't break defense. And mm -hmm. they'll make teams take everything underneath and move the ball slowly down the field. And then kind of the red zone was really where their strength was. You know, they'd take away their space, get into a tighter area, and then force the field goal or generate a turnover in that area. 
And now I feel like McDermott, the way he calls the defense and the way that he's using these dime packages, they're, they're a lot more aggressive. Um, and they're setting themselves up to create turnovers, to create chaotic plays, you know, that result in more opportunities for the offense, their hands on the ball. To put Jordan Poyer in that spot, I think is brilliant. His skill set right now, I mean, it is perfect for this. You know, you you got a guy, here's a guy who just loves playing downhill. It sort of reminds me of, um, this was the, I believe it was the 2020 season um, with um, Andrew Klein, you know, was in playing a lot of linebacker. Um, mm-hmm. And fans were really getting driven crazy with him the first few weeks that he was playing. He was kind mm-hmm. of a mess in coverage. And the Bills really didn't have it figured out. And then all of a sudden that Seahawks game came around and McDermott started having Klein play nothing but downhill, just attack, attack, attack. And when you take a player who, you know, let's face it, Jordan is not a spring chicken anymore. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you take a guy who maybe is starting to lose a little bit of a step out of those deep situations where he's in an open field and he can get burnt around edges and, and makes it difficult to play these angles now he can just get underneath, play downhill, play hard, play fast, and make plays on the ball. You know, that is Jordan's – that's always really been Jordan's strength, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think having him there is just another way to make the defense even more potent uh, and, and chaotic, uh, you know, and it's it's really an issue that, um, you know, offenses I think are, are struggling to deal with. So – I love what he's doing there, and uh, and for that reason, I agree with you. I, I don't think that they necessarily needed to invest any more in linebacker. Let's see where Dorian Williams gets. Um, you know, we already know what they have in in Dodson, and if he's if he's uh, solid for anything, it, he is, and he has been okay in the run game. You know, in, mm-hmm. in his entire time here, um, using him as a middle linebacker or a starter, not great. But off the bench, I think that he just doesn't feel the pressure as much. It certainly seems like he's able to play a little bit more free to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some players are just, you know, they're cut from that type of mold um, and, and excel more in that area. So I think they're going to be just fine there. Yeah, man. And uh, it's pretty clear that Dodson, uh, it shows that has been this defense for a longer time, you know, and he knows where he's supposed to be. I think he, yeah. uh, he's exposed sometimes in coverage, obviously, he has his limitations there, but uh, it's not like he's messing up with the motions or not knowing where he's supposed to do or what gap he's supposed to fill. And I believe Dorian can get better in it. He will get better in it, uh, in time, but it should be good for him to to take a step back, learn more, and, and I just hope he gets some snaps and he can, just like I said about Milano in his rookie year with Raymond Humbert, uh, Dorian can have some opportunities to play here and there uh, because I really feel like he showed good stuff already with his tackling ability, even with his range and in coverage. Uh, so I, I feel the up- upside is there. And and for all the people who couldn't understand why spend two third-round picks back-to-back <laughs> on linebackers, it, finally it's showing uh, why, yeah. right? And, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think that just signaled their plan, really what their plan was for Edmonds all along, right? Uh, number one. And number two, if, if you're going to, you know, I, I thought for a while it was going to be possible that they might 
consider moving on from Milano when it was time to pay Edmonds, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, you know, at least entertain that, that idea because, you know, let's face it, like the organization liked uh, Edmonds, you know, they put mm -hmm. him in a lot, of, they put a lot on his plate. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're going to keep, you know, the linebacker that is in his late twenties versus the guy that is just butting into his prime, then you definitely are going to want to have, some young bucks on the bench that are, you know, able to come in and fill in in case uh, an injury happens. And, you know, in this case, like Milano's injury really is not like a, you know, body failure injury. You know, thankfully it was something that freak accident that happened based on the way his leg was planted, but still, you know, you have to be prepared for those situations. If you're going to rely on an older linebacker, uh, you know, uh, to take the majority of those snaps. And uh, right now it's looking like they have, hit on the first one and uh, you know i know that the jury's still out on uh on dorian williams but like you said there's been a lot to like about his play this year too so you know time will tell yeah man and about jordan poyer's role uh that rejuvenated him kind of rejuvenated him uh, all props for for coach mcdermott for putting him in this situation because it was kind of obvious, uh, even with the way Taylor Rapp has been used in his former teams in, in with the Rams, how he already played this dime linebacker spot. It was kind of everybody was thinking when Rapp was signed, like, okay, we can play Rapp as a dime linebacker and 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 use him if our, our middle linebacker can't do it in, in against the pass. And that was the kind of, of thought a lot of people had. But... We know that Taylor Rapp isn't that playmaker kind of player like Jordan Poyer. He's a great tackler. He's a guy who, who won't mess up, but he isn't the guy who constantly makes game-changing plays. And that's the total opposite of Jordan Poyer that we, we grow used to in uh, as a bill, right? And to Sean McDermott, to being able to see that Poyer maybe would be a better option moving uh, to the box and playing Taylor Rapp where he did a good job when he needed to replace Jordan Poyer a few weeks ago and moving Rapp to this uh, to the defensive backfield, having Poyer there as a dime linebacker and maximizing Jordan Poyer's skill set and playmaking ability. It's a, a, a great, a great uh, play by Coach McDermott. When you said about the, the defense not being uh, a top unit, but also not being a bottom line unit, being at least in the middle of the the pack. Uh, when we think about the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, they lost Tariq Hill. They invested some early picks in at wide receiver position, but they needed to re restructure that offensive uh, offensive side of the ball. But they still were pretty good, and obviously they have Mahomes, they have Kelsey. But also, they have Andy Reid, obviously, a great mind, of offensive mind, to keep that offense rolling. Is it fair to expect the same thing about McDermott on the defensive side of the ball with the Bills? Because there was, or that, there has been a lot of investment on, the, on the, the, that defensive side of the ball. We lost important pieces, no doubt. But you expect that a coach like McDermott could keep this defense playing at really great level, elevating those other guys' level of play and keeping them competitive and making plays and, and helping the offense to win games. Yeah. You know, I, I think that you will still see at times results where uh, the play is, is good to great. You know what I mean? 
I, I think at other times, though, you'll see those more frequent, uh, you'll see those results that are average to below average more frequently when you lose talent like this, you know, that's just going to be the case. Now, I'm, I'm encouraged that the latter is going to happen a lot less with these new signings, you know, I mean, we'll have to see how they play. Um, but generally speaking, you know, I, I think that um, you're going to see those those average to below average results just not be popping up as often, you know, especially once these guys get acclimated. Who knows what's going to happen on Sunday? You know, I don't know how much you could realistically expect, you know, uh, either of these guys to play, you know, Rasul especially, right, because the uh, McDermott's defense is so much zone. There's so much communication and you know understanding of you know uh and of where you need to be at certain times in relation to everyone else that that is not something that someone's going to come in and learn in three days right um but you know possibly you could see joseph coming in and and you know maybe getting a, a reasonable amount of the snaps um you know because the nature of that position is just a things are just a little bit more simplistic right um so you know, in, in the comparison to to what Andy Reid was able to put together, you know, even though they lost somebody prolific last year in in Tyreek Hill, you know, they still had Travis Kelsey, who is, pro, you know, for, for my money, the best tight end to ever play football. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and they also had an incredibly strong offensive line last year. Um, and Andy Reid's solution to losing Tyreek Hill was to not play this long game, not go for these kind of crossers underneath where you're just using Tyreek Hill's speed to generate explosive plays. They were purely using a combination of 12 and 13 personnel and a mixture of a high level of success in the run game in order to open up everything underneath for for Kelsey. And not only Kelsey, but Noah Gray, he Mm -hmm. was really outstanding for them last year. You know, I mean, that really was the difference, uh, you know, and then, um, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was, in my opinion, probably their best receiver last year, right? Now he's gone um, this year, and I think you're seeing it a little bit more with the Chiefs. A lot of people in analytics right now that I've been paying attention to still think the Chiefs are you know, a prolific offense and one of the best in the NFL. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're bad. But there are some areas that I look at in the numbers for the Chiefs that make me a little bit concerned. Um, their, um, uh, their success rate overall is well below anywhere that I've seen it at in the last five years for their offense, um, their overall success rate. And a lot of that is being dragged down by the run game. Um, they have not been able to run the ball effectively and at will, like they had been, you know, the last couple of years. Um, and that's showing up for them on early downs, first and second down, they're being put in a lot more third and long situations. Now, Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback of all time in third and long. Okay. So when you look at their series conversion rate, they're still one of the top offenses in the NFL. But in my opinion, that's playing with fire a little bit. And, you know, you can see it at times, especially with their ability to put points on the board against, the, both their games against Denver this year, you know, at other times. So, you know, long story short, losing quality players, no matter how good the scheme is, is going to affect the results that you're going to get and put out in the field. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, but there are certain levels of, you know, 
putting the guys that you have left and finding combinations that allow you to get these high-end results from time to time. And all you need to do is get them at the right times, right? It doesn't need to be every single week, but it's got to be complementary to what the offense is doing. And of course, this is, you know, the catchphrase that McDermott uses all the time is playing complementary football. And, you know, you hear people on the radio saying, well, what is that? What is complementary football? And complementary football is just, you know, knowing when the offense needs to play and knowing when the defense needs to play and going out there and doing it. You know, that's it. So, um, uh, you know, going back to it, like I said, I, I think a lot hinges on what these two players are going to bring to the defense. But I'm, I'm very optimistic, uh, you know, about the way things are going to trend. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Awesome. Awesome, man. Uh, to close out the, the different side of the ball and to, uh, to to move on to offense, how do you feel about uh, Von Miller's play so far? Because he's been kind of coming back slowly and getting some snaps week after week and getting better. How do you feel about his prospects of getting back to that level that we saw pre-injury and the impact he can have in this defense? Because, okay, our pass rush has been good with Ed Oliver in the lineup and and Floyd has been a great addition. Rousseau has took a, a step forward, played better this year too. AJ Peneza has looked better. So yeah. they've done a great job without Von Miller. But if he can, if we can get that Von Miller back, man, it can be a big, big time uh a big time move for this defense a big time help for this defense to move to the next level and and really make game-changing plays by playoff time how confident are you in von miller getting back on full speed so far yeah i mean i'm not i'm not going to be super confident about von miller getting back to the von miller that he was prior to his his you know his tear um, not this se- not this season, you know, uh, yeah. we saw how long, I mean, we've seen many times how long it takes for guys with, with knee injuries to come back and recover and, and be 100% themselves. Now, you know, Vaughn is a freak athlete. He's got an unbelievable, uh, you know, uh, work ethic and positive mental outlook. And if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's, it's Vaughn Miller. Right. Um, but You know, I think realistically, if we get back to seeing, you know, even 80% of what he was before, I think they're going to be just fine. Because like you just mentioned, um, man, Leonard Floyd, what an unbelievable ad by Brandon Bean in the offseason. Okay, he by by many metrics, he is one of the best pass rushers in the league this season. He's been incredible for them, um, you know. The one thing about Vaughn that he did for them in the past was eating up a lot of double teams, right? Because people were so afraid of, you know, you know who Vaughn Miller was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not going to get that as much with a Leonard Floyd or, you know, an A.J. Epinesa or a Greg Rousseau. But the three of those guys together, the way that they're playing football right now, 
especially AJ Epinesa. I mean, how how amazing has he been this year? Uh, it's it's I'm very happy for him to see him playing such good ball. Um, you know, he, he really uh, they asked a lot of him. You know, changing his body type and becoming more bendy and just you know so many different uh, things that he had to do to be an effective NFL player. And now he's he's put it all all together. Um, so you know, Vaughn getting Vaughn back to his peak. I don't know how much more uh, positive value that adds for the defense when they have their ends all playing such a high level of, of football right now. Um, you know, at least to where I think Vaughn can get to mm-hmm. based on his knee injury. But, you know, you never know. Like, stranger things have happened. And, and if Vaughn all of a sudden really gets himself into shape and, you know, has one of those weeks where all of a sudden, you know, he, nails you know two three sacks or something and we might you know i might be changing my tune um and again i think that relies very heavily on you know what they also get in uh, in in joseph um you know one of the reasons that the defensive line had such a tremendous pass rush this year was that uh ed oliver uh and daquan jones were taking turns eating up double teams and winning on those on those double teams and um, the amount of push that they uh, that they had was uh, was incredible up the middle, which you know made everything easier for the guys on the outside. So, I, I think regardless of all of this, I think that they still have a tremendous pass rush, and I think now with the addition of Rasul Douglas, as we all know, you know better coverage makes better pass rush, and vice versa. So we get some synergies in there. You know, I I, I expect to see both those things get better here moving forward yeah and we don't need those big games from Miller right now it can happen in january i'll be very happy if it happens in january you know you don't need him right. to 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 be 100 right now and uh i really hope he can get back of that peak because it was a a pleasure to see von miller playing at his best level and no doubt he can help a lot let's move on to the offensive side of the ball adam and there is, there was a lot. There's still, be I believe, a lot of hate going towards Ken Dorsey. I'm not one of those kind of people, you know. I, I'm really a believer of Dorsey. I thought his job as a rookie uh, offensive coordinator was pretty good, being able to keep that level of offensive side of the ball uh, that was maybe at its best when when we le- we last saw Dable in command of this offense. We couldn't see much better than what they did against the Patriots and against the Chiefs in that playoff run. So I understand people. Uh, and most of the time, the same people who wanted Dable out w- w- want Dorsey <laughs> out now, right? So yeah, but I can right. understand a lot of people being like, oh, it's not the same as before. And, but man, when just like you, you pointed out in the beginning of the show, when all the... It's obviously not all about the metrics, but when all the metrics point out to one direction and when you have around the, the Bills offense, the other great offenses of this this league, the Chiefs, the, the 49ers, the Eagles, man, are those metrics wrong only with the Bills and right with all other teams? It makes zero yeah. sense, right? So right. Uh, how do you feel about Dorsey's scheme so far? I, I'm pretty sure, obviously, it's not perfect. But I like a lot of the stuff that he's put out and that he's put out together. And especially one thing. I remember after the Jags game, a lot of people being like, 
that week was the week of under center play action. The Bills should play under center play action 100% of the time because there were yeah. where they could succeed and do their best uh, work. And in the next week, what we saw against the Giants, the highest percentage of under center and play action. And then in the next week, after the Giants game, oh, we can't go all in on Stefan Diggs. We need to spread out the ball and hit other wide receivers. And in the very next week, Josh Allen spread out the ball for nine different receivers against the Patriots. And, and then after the Patriots week, no, the Bills, has, they have no identity. They need to, to <laughs> have an identity because they are just adjusting to other teams. They got to go no huddle. We got to have more Kincaid and less, and less knocks. And we got to have all these kind of things. And in the next week, we saw, oh, we got to have Josh Allen running more the ball. And in the next week, we saw... The Bills came coming out with a spread offense, no huddle. Josh Allen running a quarterback sneak in the second play of the game. So, all things that people wanted for from this offense, we've seen Dorsey trying it out in the next week, incorporating more Gabe Davis in the game plan. A lot of of things that people asked for, he's done. And still, there are people who are like, "No, we got to fire Dorsey." How do you feel about this kind of stuff, man? Because I can't understand. I can't understand people criticizing the guy, but giving me some solutions. And all the solutions that were pointed out, we've seen Dorsey trying out. So how do you feel about this offense so far and Dorsey in command of them? Yeah, well, so, you know, the metric that I look to when I want to kind of check out how an offensive coordinator is is handling his 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 offense uh, there are two really. It's series conversion rates, and then it's general success rate, play success rate. And you can break that up into looking at it specifically on dropbacks or, or rushing plays. Uh, right now, heading into uh, you know week nine, the Bills are number one in success rate overall at fifty-one point four percent. In dropback success rate, they're third at fifty-four point two, and in rush success rate. They're number one at 46.5%, okay? So, you know, the people that want to say, oh, well, it's all Josh Allen. It's not Ken Dorsey. Look, Josh, in my opinion, is playing at an MVP level. I think through week eight, this has been his best season of his career. That's my that's my opinion. Um, but a lot of it is because Dorsey is putting this offense in advantageous positions and situations. The interesting thing, and and I've had lots of talks with the guys over at cover one about this, you know, um, is that I, I think, you know, some of the opinion is that Brian Dable was a little bit more of a schemer than Ken Dorsey is. Right. And what I mean by that is I think that Dable was a little bit better at looking at the defensive tape, learning their tendencies and building little things into the playbook, into their individual plays that exploited the tendencies of that defense. And that's why I think, you know, in the Dable era, you'd see all sorts of receivers running wide open at different times, um, you know, that Josh was able to just, you know, sling the ball out to everywhere. Um, On the flip side, though, of course, when things looked bad, it was because there's not as much continuity in the playbook when you do that, right? Uh, because each week there are these little wrinkles in, in each individual play. Um, Ken Dorsey does a little bit less of that, and he does a little bit more of 
calling concepts that beat certain types of coverages, right? And so what that means is there are certain concepts in offense that are better against, you know, too high or, you know, uh, whatever that allow Josh to maybe do more of a, of a pre-snap read of the field, you know, decide if he wants to change into something else or, you know, if he stays there watching the play develop and then making the decision in a half field read where the ball needs to, where the ball needs to end up going. And I think that's made Josh a better quarterback. I don't know if it's the best way to run an offense, but I do think it's sort of next level quarterbacking. And we sort of saw it last year, first week of the season, right? The game against the Rams. What comparison was Josh Allen getting to another quarterback that played in the NFL for, you know, many, many years, right? They were like, Josh Allen looks like Tom Brady right now. He's just dishing the ball everywhere and, you know, these quick passes. And that is sort of next level quarterbacking. Um, And moving to this type of an offense, uh, I think, has really helped with Josh's growth. And when he talked about in the off season, the fact that he was more focused on football than ever, a lot of people are saying, well, why wasn't he out throwing with Jordan Palmer? Or why wasn't he doing this? I think he was hitting the books, man. Like I think he was really diving into the mental side of the game. Um, and it's something that I think he even talked about at, in his post game presser last year, he really wanted to become more of a student of the game. And even this year, uh, I think around week four, uh, McDermott was asked about Josh's growth this year and what McDermott has seen from him. And he's spending more time in the film room. He's, you know, in there with the receivers on a Monday, like, hey, let's look at this. Let's look at this. So, you know, I'm I'm encouraged with the offense for that reason. You know, here you have Dorsey now in his second season and some of the same criticisms that I just, um, you know, levied against him. They're being addressed a little bit more like you know, there's certain plays that you can very obviously see that the offense was schemed to be open, you know, um, that these, there are plays out there to, to be had. Um, and there's a lot of new players here too, right? You know, we're, they're relying on digs for the first read and the vast majority of plays, which is, which is good and okay. But at some point teams are just going to double or triple them like we've been seeing. And then that's when it's time to start saying, okay, you know, on this play, we need to, make Davis the first read or we need to make Kincaid the first read. And, and I think that that's kind of like the growing collaboration of the offense between Sean McDermott and, and Ken Dorsey as, as time goes on here. Uh, You know, there's a little bit more of, um, you know, uh, we need to get the ball distributed around and not rely so much on digs for that first read uh, because, you know, there's a, you can become too predictable when, when you do that. Um, so, you know, this is the natural growth and maturation of an offense. And, and probably, to be honest with you, for the first, you know, half of the season, if you're going to rely on a rookie tight end to be one of your bet- most important pass catchers, it's probably a good idea to let him get his feet wet a little bit before too, to putting too much on his plate. You know, let him be out on the field, but not being the center of attention for, for you know, 40, 50 percent of the snaps. Um, and as time has gone on, it seems like he's earning more and more and more of that. Same thing with Khalil Shakir, who, you know, just had a great week last week. But, you know, Aaron over at Cover One was really uh, was really on this. Um, you know, Shakir had multiple plays in previous games uh, in those weeks that, you know, he got on the field for a couple snaps, but he was making big plays when he got out there. 
that uh, scramble touchdown from uh, from Josh uh, against I think Washington was it Washington? Uh, a- anyways, he uh, you know he's been really good too. So you know the puzzle pieces are coming together. This is sort of the natural growth and um, you know the figuring out of who and what they are. And I really firmly believe that this offense is going to be a wagon here uh, pretty soon because we've already seen what they can look like at their best, you know, uh, against Miami this year. Um, and it's, it's just going to take a little bit more time to come together. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Awesome. And... Talking about the trade deadline to the offensive side of the ball, we didn't see any moves there. And yeah. probably they played a, a, a pretty good game right before this week. So it avoided going maybe at a wide receiver. I think before the game against the Bucks, people were crazy about adding another wide receiver. And after the Bucks game, people kind of shied away from him for, from this situation. Uh, but they added just Leonard Fournette to the backfield, right? So the running back room missing Damon Harris, obviously, to injured reserve. And but about the second, the secondary weapons in the passing game. Uh, my biggest concerns with this offense this year, coming to the season, were Spencer Brown. What looks like the Bills, he's gotten better. He's playing better recently, and also the Bills endorsed game plan some help to help him. For example, dealing with Crosby. We've seen Max Crosby dominate a lot of games recently, the Thursday night football, and he had a pretty quiet game against the Bills. It wasn't just Spencer Brown playing great, but it was great scheming also, helping with people, chipping Crosby. Latavius Murray does a great job at that. Knox, Dawson Knox uh, did a great job. So the Bills kind of figured out what to do to help Spencer Brown. He has played better also, and it hasn't been a, a big concern recently. And the other big, big, biggest concern, in my opinion, were, were those secondary weapons in the passing game. You know, like uh, even the reason why we didn't play great, for example, against the Jaguars were some drops on third downs by Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, drops that would have moved the chains and gave opportunities to score early in the game. So those are the, those plays that, it, just like you said, it will happen sometimes. And and nobody will remember that we had just two or three drives in one half and couldn't score, right? So right. recently, Dorsey has found a way to incorporate Gabe Davis more in the game plan. Shakir has stepped up. It seems Kincaid is getting better and as the season progresses and becoming that weapon that he must be so we have somebody to be the Cole Beasley of this offense because maybe the, the last time we saw this offense playing at its best was with Cole Beasley still in the lineup as a, a, a chain mover, slot wide receiver. How confident are you in those weapons? How confident are you that Gabe Davis can keep? We've seen him playing well in the past and then just uh, not playing so well anymore after those big games. How confident are you the Bills 
have enough in those secondary weapons to deal with people, uh, for example, the Bengals next game, maybe they can replicate the game plan from the last players, try to take digs away. How confident are you that Gabe Davis, Kincaid, Shakir, Cook out of the backfield, those guys can punish the, the defense that try to take away digs and open up one-on-one opportunities for those other guys? Yeah, I, I'd say I'm pretty confident. You know, I mean, I was, you know, I, I'll say that I was also banging the drum for the addition of a, of, a, of a receiver at the deadline, particularly if they could have gotten their hands on DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, I, I really liked the idea of Jerry Judy partially because I, I, I thought that he has the potential to have upside as like a 1B, like a true 1B receiver. Um, now, obviously, they didn't make a move. Um, the flip side of this, though, is that when you look at specifically Dalton Kincaid, I've always felt like he needs to be the key. And there's a lot of underlying data, um, you know, on how he's played this year that points to the possibility that, you know, he's going to be able to be the player that they need him to be um, in order to keep the offense potent uh, when, when Diggs is covered, right? Um, his catch rate has been unbelievable. Uh, even balls thrown behind him, you know, he's been put in some really tough spots at times and he's just, he just doesn't drop the ball. Um, and, you know, a guy like Shakir is kind of the same deal, right? I mean, uh, as, as Davis was for a while, Davis really didn't get a chance to get a lot of snaps for a long time. And all of a sudden he comes in and, you know, uh, has some unbelievable seasons. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, on the topic of Davis, uh, I think that Davis's season last year, uh, he definitely struggled to bring the ball in at times, but he was also put in a lot of dis- disadvantageous situations um, on the offense. I think partially because of the way that <clears throat> Josh was trying to play it uh, in the back half of the season. You know, I mean, some of the time, sometimes he was getting the ball thrown to him when he was running a clearing route. You know what I mean? So people are looking at drops on those situations and being like, well, what's wrong with Davis? And it's like, well, the ball probably should have never gone to him in that situation, you know, to begin with. Um, and what one thing that I was very encouraged with last week is that uh, his average depth of target has gone way down. You know, he's now they're using him to run some of the routes really that they would have traditionally Dawson Knox run. And all of a sudden he's catching these passes, you know, in that, you know, four to six to eight yard range rather than, you know, just purely being to the outside, 10, 15 yards down the field, 20 yards down the field. And, you know, he had a great game. Like, uh, I don't think he had a single drop. Uh, and and that's the way that they need to utilize him a little bit more. It, it kind of goes back to the same thing of, you know, uh, painting these players into these boxes and expecting them to succeed when they really are only doing one or two things in the field. You just you become too predictable and it can't happen at at, at this level. Um, and that's, again, you know, one of the areas that I think, you know, Dorsey's really improved upon this year uh, and we're seeing it. And I think that you're seeing the results with the receivers that they have, you know, uh, you know, on the roster. Um, so I, I'm fully confident that this offense can be the most efficient offense that they've had in their history, even with the pass catchers that they have now. The fun idea about somebody like Judy or more so Hop is that Hop's the kind of guy that, you know, just let Josh throw it downfield. Like he's down there somewhere and he's going to come down with the ball. He's already done it once. He's already done it once, you know? So like, I I love that idea, but I think, um, 
you know, I think uh, the way Will Levis looked this last week, they have completely yeah. changed Tennessee's thinking on what to do with him. And obviously he didn't move, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm comfortable. You know, this offense, I think, can be just as good as any other offense in the league. Uh, they've got a tremendous offensive line this year. You know, as we were kind of got into a little bit earlier, Spencer Brown's improvement. Uh, but then, you know, the, the play of Osiris Torrance and, and McGovern at the guard positions, you know, things are just really, really looking good right there, right now for them. Um, so there's no reason why they can't be and sustain being, uh, you know, a top three offense in the NFL, in my opinion, because they've got a top two quarterback and they've got some amazing pass catchers and they got an incredible offensive line. No doubt, man, no doubt. And Adam, to close it out, man, the Bills were favorites uh, before the season. Uh, a lot of people had them, despite some people in national media trying to to breed the guys with a crystal ball and saying the Bills wouldn't make the playoffs this year or would include because of Stefan Diggs, Drebba, and kind of this stuff. I'm pretty sure all those people, uh, if the Bills win the Super Bowl, they wouldn't be like, oh, what a surprise. They would be like, oh, the Bills were favorites. It's normal. And so it's pretty easy to give an opinion when you can simply go all the other way around when it's totally different. But the Bills have been favorites uh, for some years now, and it wasn't different before, just before this season. With the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, with some uh, questionable games in the last few weeks, a lot of people lost its hope and their hope for a, a Super Bowl this year. With the new additions, with what you have seen, um, and just ahead of a big-time game game against the Bengals who are getting better, getting hotter, just like they do every year, it seems. How confident are you that the Bills can really win the Super Bowl this season? Are you more confident than before the season? Do you feel they have less chances with the injuries? How do you feel right now about the rest of the Bills' season and, and their chance for a Lombardi Trophy this year? Yeah. Well, I would say that right now I sit about as equally uh, as I was prior to the start of the season. You know, I, I, I kind of went into this year with certain concerns, right? Uh, focus around the offensive line. How was that going to look? I came into the season with concerns about how the pass catchers were going to look. I came in with concerns about how Ken Dorsey was going to handle running an offense this year. Um, and realistically, all three of those concerns have been completely, you know, <laughs> um, eliminated, uh, you know, pretty much right from, um, you know, from my uh, list of concerns or whatever. But um, so I would say right now, even post injuries, I'm about equally as to where I was at the start of the season. Now, midseason, three weeks in watching how this defense was playing with Daquan Jones and Matt Milano you know, and Tredavious White, uh, I got three weeks into the season and thought, who is going to beat this team? You know, I, you know, yeah, they had that one crazy loss to the New York Jets at the start of the season, but, you know, I don't put too much stock in that. It was another game that, you know, when you look at the underlying numbers, that things, you know, if Josh didn't turn the ball over four times, they probably would have been just fine, right? So, um, uh, you know, I'm down from that spot that I was in before. But mm -hmm. I am optimistic with their most recent additions that, you know, if, if I see the defense hovering in that, 
you know, maybe number eight to number 12 area in rankings and some of those defensive metrics that I pay attention to, I think this offense is going to be good enough to get the job done. Um, and so uh, I don't think Bills fans should be discouraged by any means. You know, they have just as good of a shot of it at it this year um, as they had, as they have had in any other year that they've been uh, going after it. Uh, you know, it's about getting there healthy, as healthy as they can be, you know, now, like let's not have any more injuries, please. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, really having your identity figured out at the right time. Um, regular season last year was incredible. You know, they just, they basically beat everybody, you know what I mean? And this year, we're seeing them struggle a little bit, kind of at times more similar to, uh, you know, what we saw back in 2021, as, as you previously mentioned. Uh, but again, you know, I, the way I see it, these are growing pains uh, in the process of figuring out really who they are. Uh, and at the end of the day, I trust that everything is going to be OK, because when the underlying numbers show what they show, um, you really there's there's a lot of reason to be to be confident. Yeah, man, I, I really agree because uh, we saw last season, we saw maybe the best version of the Bills in, in week one, you know, against the Rams, the, the reigning champs and the Bills playing great football there. And then the season went downhill as, as it progressed uh, with injuries, with a lot of difficult stuff to deal with, uh, the Mar Hamlin's situation, everything. But this yeah. year, man, despite all the, the, the difficulties the, the team is trying to get better, trying to solve those problems. Those new additions, it's not like Rasul Douglas will play his best in, in the right now against the Bengals. No, he will learn the defense. He will gel with the guys and, and communicate better and probably will be at his best by playoffs time. Same with Linval Joseph. Leonard Fournette can contribute, I'm pretty sure. And... So I'm really confident too, and especially if you look at the other teams, right? We don't have that Chiefs that were at their absolutely best so far. We don't have really what team can we say that are totally prepared and nobody can beat the Miami Dolphins that everybody were crazy about. We saw how the Bills could play against them. So yeah. I think and, there and are let's a lot not so I'm sorry to interrupt. And I was going to say, oh. let's not forget, you know, like the way the bills were talked about after that win at Miami is a lot like the way the Bengals are being talked about right now after their win yeah. over San Francisco, you know, and this is also the same Cincinnati Bengals team that only put up 17 points against the Seattle Seahawks two weeks ago, you know, so yeah. really, you know, this, this league and, and the media that, that works around it, you know, it's a, what have you done for me lately league and, you know, people ride those really love riding those highs and riding those lows. But, you know, when you when you look at it over the stretch, you know, I think that the Bills are every bit as equipped as anybody else out there right now to to go win the whole thing. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately, winning it all is also about a little bit of luck. And, mm -hmm. you know, we just haven't had it yet. So fingers crossed that this year's the year. Knock on wood, you know, put a spoon under your pillow you know, put your Bills flag up every morning, whatever it's going to take, you know, to get your superstitions right. Because, you know, they're going to get there at some point, uh, whether it's this year, next year. You know, it's, you know, I, I don't think that there's going to be a Super Bowl winless Buffalo Bills team with Josh Allen at quarterback. It's it's going to happen. Yeah, man, I, I, I absolutely agree. 
And as long as we have that 17 guy, uh, I think our shot is is guaranteed, you know. So I, I'm really confident. Just like you said, we, he, he's put up uh, an MVP season so far. And even playing so well, we still can see room for growth, right? So it's awesome to have a player like this, that under center. And so I'm really confident the Bills are still on track to having a great season and I really don't want them to play at their best right now. Oh, they got to beat the Bengals. Man, I'm not even feeling so confident about this game right now. I'm a little, a little bit worried about uh, the Bengals run the game against our defense. I'm not sure how many snaps Joseph will be able to play already and how well he'll be able to play coming just uh, out from out of his couch, right? But yeah. uh, he doesn't need to be awesome right now. We need him at his best by playoffs time and i think they will do well adam thank you so much man for taking your time for joining us today in the leading the charge i'm pretty sure those mafia had a blast with you with you today i really enjoyed your participation could talk ball uh to you all day long here but uh the the doors for uh from the leading the charge are always wide open for you and and feel free to join us whenever you want man yeah. Hey, thank you so much for the invitation. It was great talking ball with you. And, uh, and I just, I appreciate you having me on and, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be, you know, plenty more fun things to talk about here as the season goes along. So, you know, let's, uh, uh, let's, you know, keep in communication and hopefully we can do this again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bills Mafia for joining us. Hit that like button, subscribe. You can comment in the comment section on YouTube. Um, uh, and I'll be back on Sunday with a pregame show totally in Portuguese for Latin America, Bills Mafia, Bills Mafia in Brazil, and Portuguese-speaking countries. So see you around, Bills Mafia. Thank you so much. Go, Bills. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.